Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jesse here, and our guest today is an entrepreneur who also knows a lot about the idea of elite performance. He built his first multi-million dollar business when he was still in college, before he headed off for a career at Wall Street. But after he was sitting at a desk for a long time, he decided to get back in shape, and that inspired him to actually launch a new venture inspired by the Spartan lifestyle. He went on to start Spartan Races, an adventure race inspired by the Spartan lifestyle, which he discusses in his books, Spartan Up, Spartan Fit, and the recently released The Spartan Way. Earlier this year, Spartan actually acquired one of their major rivals, Tough Mudder, but that was just weeks before a global pandemic hit and forced them to reevaluate their business model. Today, they're making credible content over at Spartan.com, which we definitely encourage you to check out. Today, we got to talk to Joe about the Spartan lifestyle, being an entrepreneur, and how his businesses are navigating these uncertain times. Here is our conversation with Joe Decino. Yeah, we're really excited you're joining us this morning. I know we're catching you on a um, on a difficult morning. Tell me, tell me what's happening there. So on this farm, on our farm where Spartan was started, you know, 20 years ago, and my wife and I are raising four children. Um, it's mass mayhem right now because uh, with COVID, most of our events have been shut down ar- around the world for Spartan and Tough Mudder, and so I'm a glutton for punishment. I like a lot of activity. And so I've just been inviting a bunch of family, friends, kids from all over um, into these camps that we're holding here, which are basically mini death races. I mean, I don't think any, I don't think anybody anywhere in the world would do what we're doing. I I just don't think they would put kids through this kind of hell. It's like, it's basically hell week. It's like a 12 year old decided to join, you know, Delta Force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we're putting kids through here. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of bullshit that comes along with it. So, for example, there's kids texting parents. You got to lie to Joe and get me out of here. Tell him we have a family activity. There's kids that are just crying and complaining and can't keep up. There's um, parents that are saying, oh, well, I have something to do. I'd like to pick up my kids early. Like, there's just a lot of bullshit to deal with the nice thing, I guess, about the military is like once you enlist, you're in. You're in. <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no discussion. There's no parents yeah. picking you up. Like I was saying to John here, who, who's been by my side every morning from 5 a.m. till you know eight at eight o'clock at night, and I said, you know, John, most parents would never send their kids to this this kind of thing, and they should. They should because kids need a kick in the ass. But on the other hand. If we think back to World War II, World War I, or any, any rite of passage in, in our history on this planet, like kids are 18 years old, 17, they're going to like get killed. They're yeah. on boats without cell phone, like they're dealing with real shit, yeah. right? And so like we are doing our kids such a disservice by bubble wrapping them. And I've come up with a new term, by the way, a new term. Uh, that I want to apply to parenting, I call it golden retriever parenting. Okay. That's, when, that's when you go and retrieve your kid from yeah. something that might be hard. Yeah, yeah. And, and just like the, you know, the, the kind of helicopter parent thing that's happening you know, in kind of this generation where you know, it was just a generation ago where you could, you know, I didn't grow up with a cell phone, where it's like, hey, I'll be back when the streetlights come on, ride your bike. Do you think, you know, kind of seeing how kids are, 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 you know, what their reaction is to the program they're in that you have them in right now up there, you know, do you think it's kind of, kind of mold kids that are just more adaptable when it comes to big, complicated things are going to be later down the road? 
I mean, it's obvious. I mean, I've had, this is not just Joe and his farm and some insanity. There's science here. I mean, we've been doing this for, for generations where we break people down and build them back up. Yeah. And, and no one who determined that you can't do it, uh, you know, before the age of 18. Actually, I had neuroscientists on the phone that said between eight and 26 years old is the perfect time for kids to take on really, really, really hard shit, but just make sure they finish what they start because if they don't, what we as neurosurgeons and scientists see in the brain are gaps in the brain mm -hmm. where we see they started something and they didn't finish it. Yeah. Imagine that. So, so and, and they say, look, between eight and 26, you want to take on as many things you can, finish as many things you can, because then you're laying tracks, literally tracks in your brain for you to do other hard shit later in life, to be more adaptable, be more agile. There's a great book, great book. All, all, all your readers, listeners should read. It's called A Message to Garcia. And it was written in the late 1800s. And um, it really is a driving force behind what Spartan is. And, and the idea was, even back then, even in the late 1800s, business people, uh, parents were furious with kids, with people that um, just didn't get after it, didn't yeah. get it done. Nothing drives you more crazy than this, right? And basically, the book points out that the United States, it's set where the United States president needs to get a message to the leader of uh, Cuba, a leader of a militia or a group in Cuba. And... You know, there's no like American Airlines flying to Cuba back then, 1899, right? So it's going to be a trip. It's going to be a nightmare. And most of the people that come into the president's office have all kinds of questions to ask. Like, why am I doing it exactly? Uh, what route should I take? And president's furious and he throws everybody out of his office. And finally, this guy Rowan comes in and Rowan's like, yeah, just give me the address. And, and that attitude is the attitude that we all get excited about movies and books, yeah. right? They just get it done against all odds. And that's what comes off this farm, right? They show up with, um, you know, bubble wrap. They show up with bubble wrap. Even the kids that look good and they're, they look fit, yeah. they're in bubble wrap. They're not used to anything. Yeah. And, and, and we rip the bubble wrap off and we break them down. And when they leave here, they are hardened. And they get in touch with us a week, a month, you know, two months later and say, holy smoke. I had a kid, I had a kid yesterday saying to me, it was great, 14-year-old kid. He said to me, um, I didn't want to do this, but I needed this. Yeah. Can you imagine a 14-year-old saying that? Yeah. We had an 11-year-old girl here, an 11-year-old girl that when the boys, up to 17 years old, when the boys were breaking down and crying, she was holding everybody together. Wow. So like... I don't know. And by the way, this is just like a safe camp. Yeah. I'm putting them through hell, but bullets aren't flying. Yeah. They're not climbing a beach, you know, Normandy beach. Like, come on. Yeah. It, well, the other thing too, it's, I mean, it's got to be one of those things where the confidence that they leave with is, is got to be light years from where they started. Because I feel like that's one thing, you know, when I've worked with a lot of people, I'm not, I'm not that I'm in my late thirties, but I've worked with a lot of people who are, you know, fresh out of college or worked with some college students. And some of them just always second guess themselves. You know, it seems like there's, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but you can definitely see a lack of confidence in, in a lot of young people you know, is that one of the things that you're, you're seeing is they're just coming out just knowing that, hey, I did that. So what challenge can I face? 
No doubt about it. Tremendous confidence coming off the, uh, off the farm um, from a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint. I had another kid yesterday, this is a good one, say, you know what, when I get home, I'm just going to fold my laundry and put my stuff away. It's just so much easier. I'm not going to fight with my mom anymore. Yeah. Literally unprompted. Like, yeah. so, so, you know, as parents, I think, first of all, as we are white noise to our kids. They hear us talking to them every day, telling them, it's just white noise. When they come out of the house, rip off the bubble wrap, come to the farm, and we're holding them to standards, and they got to wake up at a certain time, and it's earlier than they like, yeah. and they're taking cold showers, and they're hiking mountains, and they're crying, and their hands hurt, and they're tired, but they're asked to do it anyway, and they got to figure out how to work as a team. Um, changes everything. Yeah. Changes, it rewires their brain. And I think that's something that's so cool about kind of that Spartan lifestyle, you know, in general, no matter if you're a kid or an adult. I mean, I don't know anyone who's gone through one of those, a race, and hasn't come out with a, a different perspective on what they're capable of doing. And no, no doubt about it. And we've had millions, shit, close to 10 million people between Tough Mudder and Spartan have crossed finish lines. And uh, you hear the same story. You hear, um, I'm back with my husband. I'm back with my wife. I lost a bunch of weight. I gave up drugs. I no longer drink. I'm uh, going to start a business. Like, transformation doesn't happen on the couch. Yeah. You don't get transformed in front of Netflix. Yeah. Doesn't happen. Yeah. Well, for, for people that don't know your story in particular, I mean, just kind of the short version of how you developed that, that Spartan mindset, because I know you'd, all, you'd always been like an entrepreneur since, since college, but it, it was when you had a job on Wall Street that things kind of clicked for you too, right? Where you kind of incorporated the, the physicality into it? Well, my mom, my mom was into um, yoga, meditation, health food. She was pushing extremes back in the 70s before it was cool. My dad was a workaholic maniac. I grew up in a crazy neighborhood that was uh, all organized crime. So as a kid, you aspired to somehow earn that kind of respect at that kind of car. You wanted a nice suit like that. You wanted rolls, $100 bills in your pocket. So you figured you had to be tough. Yeah. And, um, my mom introduced me to 3,100-mile race in Queens, New York, back, way back when. It's around a one-mile loop. I always had it in the back of my mind. I always had the yoga, the meditation, all these things my mom was preaching in the back of my mind. And I was on Wall Street mid nineties. And, um, I wasn't feeling great. We were making a lot of money, but I was sitting there and you're overeating and you know, you're sitting in front of a trading desk all day. I just didn't feel great. And, uh, started training, started, started getting into it, started finding races all over the world, started doing yoga again, all those things my mom was preaching that I, that I poo pooed and, uh, I felt great. And yeah. so then I said, you know what, instead of doing restaurants and bars and all these things that everybody else is doing for business, Let's go, uh, let's go do races. Let's go do yoga together. Let's get healthy together. Yeah. And it worked and, and our business took off. And so, um, and so I turned it into a business. I, well, I, I literally, I left Wall Street and I turned this into a business. What was the reaction to people at first? Because now I feel like it's, it's almost like a rite of passage for a lot of people I know. Like, hey, have you done one of these races yet? But, you know, when you're kind of coming out of the gate and, you know, people are jumping in ice water and, you know, tough hunters getting shocked and, you know, all this, what was the reaction? Because <laughs> they're tough. I mean, that's the whole idea. Like it, it's, it can be painful and you, you know, there's, you know, some elements of physical risk. What kind of resistance did you, did you hit when you kind of were coming out of the gate with the idea? With Spartan. Yeah. 
Well, everybody said I was nuts. I mean, pretty much any business idea I've had, people have said I was nuts. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that's how I know it's good. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, but you got to understand, when I started this, it didn't start as Spartan. It started, I called it Peak, P-E-A-K, 10 years earlier. Different company, different idea, longer distance races, and I just couldn't get it to work. Nope. Who would want to come and do 350-mile event, crazy events? Yeah. And then fast forward 10 years after the financial crisis, against my instinct, I changed the format, three mile, eight mile, 13 mile, standardize it. We want to make an Olympic bid. We're going to call it Spartan. It's going to be military inspired. And um, right here in Vermont, right here near the farm. And boom, it works. 700 people, then 1,500 people, then 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 people, 45 countries. So. You know, it was an uphill battle. It's still an uphill battle, by the way. I mean, listen, parents think I'm nuts. Uh, I would never send my kids to that farm. That guy's crazy. Oh, you, Joe, you're doing psychological damage to those kids. No, no, you're doing psychological damage to the kids. Yeah. You are too soft. Not every kid should get a trophy. Send the kids here. We'll harden them up the same way every other generation did. For, we've been on the planet for a million years. When did we stop training our kids for the moment we're not going to be around? I mean... Yeah. We're, we're raising zoo animals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what's that going to do, too, to the future of entrepreneurism in the country? Because, you know, I, I feel like in order to be an entrepreneur, in order to strike out on yourself, there's a degree of, of psychological fortitude that if you don't have, you're going to fail. You know, you're someone who's been in business a long time, working with a lot of entrepreneurs. In your mind, what separates a successful entrepreneur, like kind of from a personality, mental standpoint, from someone who launches businesses that just don't work out? Yeah, I would say a successful entrepreneur, my dad used to say too, has to have the stomach for it, right? There's no finish line. Yeah. There's no, there's no map. That, imagine, imagine if you started a business and it said, hey, if you do these five things, you'll start making money. You do those five things, it doesn't work. Yeah. And then you do a sixth thing, it doesn't work. And then you keep, you know, Spartan didn't work financially for 15 years. Yeah. So, like, you got to have the stomach for it. And you got to be relentless. It's the exact attributes you and I just talked about with the camp here, or, or Spartan itself. It's that ability to persevere, to continue to get pounded into the ground. And it sucks. And you can't see light of day, but somehow you put one foot in front of the other. It's yeah. that kind of attitude. It's that resiliency and um, not everybody has it. How do you personally deal with kind of just the stress and anxiety that comes, you know, I feel like the, a lot of people I know who are entrepreneurs, it, it tends to catch up with them when everything slows down, when it's right before bed, or, or that's when the wheels start turning. It's like, hey, is this going to work? Am I going to turn a profit? Am, am we're going to keep growing? How I'm do you personally deal with guy. I'm not, I'm never, I don't know. I just don't look at the negatives. I just yeah. keep looking at the positives. I just keep putting one foot in front of the other. I don't, I don't worry about like, I focus on the things I can control. Yeah. I can control yeah. what I do today. And um, let me get the big, you know, let's hunt some, some buffalo today. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. big yeah. things done today. And, um, and that's all I can do. Yeah. Now, when, when the, the pandemic first hit, you know, I know it, you had, it was n shortly after you guys had acquired Tough Mudder. And you're in, uh, you're actually in Greece when, when things are, are kind of going down. Tell me a little bit about that experience, because I got to imagine, especially for the business that you're in, 
you know, that this this would would seem, you know, there would be a perspective like this worst case scenario because people can't even get together anymore. Well, we're in the social we're, we're in the socially undistancing business. Yeah. yeah. Together. And I'm in Greece and the door is closed and it becomes real. And then one by one, every country we operate in closes. Uh, we can't put on events. And it just became real. The rubber met the road. And now. Now we're just waiting. Yeah, just waiting for governments to open up to allow us to put on events. Um, and so, you know, I get a little window in China. I could put one on Taiwan, Poland here. I'm able to put on an event here and there. And um, but it's, it's not enough. I need, you know, I need scale. Yeah, we had a giant, giant staff pre COVID going to furlough a ton of people. Um, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. But you put your head down. Focus on the things you can control. That's what I do every day. And so I invite a bunch of kids up to the farm and we do camps. And that's awesome. And, well, and the other thing too is, I mean, you guys offer like a lot of great content online. And, you know, that, that I feel like, you know, going through, I mean, great training tips, you know, great, uh, you know, ways to kind of uh, stay in shape and stay disciplined. What was, is kind of like pivoting to some, you know, to offering content. Was that always kind of part of the plan or is it just like, it, no, it kind of yeah, we, we, got, we got lucky. We had, um, we, we had the team, uh, the marketing team figured out that, Hey, we got to pivot right away. They did it quickly. And all of a sudden we became a content machine. Um, the technology team immediately pivoted and they said, Hey, there's a, there's a tech deficit we've always had. Let's dig in and fill those voids. And they did that. And so all these things that we never had time to tackle, they got done. Yeah. And what's the response been? The response is great. I mean, the, the, uh, let's, let, there's a lot of customers pissed off that we had to cancel races. They're pissed yeah. off that we don't do refunds. I mean, it's not, uh, I, I don't want to paint a picture that it's all, you know, sunshine and rainbows, yeah. but, um, but the reality is we're fighting through just like everybody's fighting through. And, um, Content helps. It helps us stay in touch with our customers. Yeah. Now I know you're you're overall you're a pretty optimistic person. Do you think? I mean, and I don't want to I don't want to like create a inaccurate metaphor, but do you think that we're going to all come out of this thing whenever it's over? You know, the pandemic. Do you think we'll come out? There's a chance we're all going to come out better and stronger for having kind of having to endure all this. Um. Look, I think, I think uh, adversity is good. One, the reason I'm having a tough time answering that is it depends. It depends on did the person we're talking about spend the entire six months in their house eating popcorn, jelly beans, and watching Netflix? Yeah. Or did that person grab this opportunity and get after it? Did they get in better shape? Did they figure out how to move up within their organization, help their organization, maybe... Uh, start a business. Depend, it depends on how, how they handle this adversity. Yeah. Um, that's the bottom line. I mean, we were very fortunate. We're on the farm. We attacked it. We went to four workouts a day. We, uh, we did tons of live content. My kids working out like maniacs. I got these camps going on. We are coming out stronger. So it really depends on how the individual attacked it. Yeah. I almost feel like there's going to be sort of like a not, a, not like a separation, but I, I definitely think there's going to be a, a switch in the people who are kind of at the top when it comes to success. The people that were able to, to, to weather this in a way, like you said, 
taking advantage of elements of the situation to improve themselves versus people who, you know, were just hanging on to survive. No, there's no doubt about it. I mean, this is an opportunity. I view this as an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so when, when, we ca- when we come out of, of the pandemic and, and races are starting to happen again, w- what can we expect that, that will be, you know, how is it going to be evolved or, or, or where do you kind of see Spartan and Tough Mudder go in terms of, uh, you know, kind of continuing to, to kind of evolve and improve and, you know, offer new obstacles for people? I think we're going to be new and improved that we had the time to, if we were a hotel, we had the time to do a lot of maintenance work. We otherwise never would have the time to do. So um, we got organized. We fully integrated Tough Mudder and Spartan. We got really sophisticated technology. We fixed uh, the content machine that we wanted to really get humming, which is great. Um, We're going to be uh, in an environment where I think a lot of people want to socially undistance and get together. so I think, I, and by the way, and we're also playing some offense. We're being opportunistic. There's 50,000 events that are shut down around the world. There's a lot of them that we'd like to partner with yeah. um, and bring into the fold. So we're having those discussions. So there's just a lot of good things happening. Yeah. Well, Joe, one thing we like to do is uh, we kind of have, it's sort of a lightning round where it's, it's standard question that we, we like to ask, basically elite performers, people who, uh, you know, in their field are disruptors, but also understand what, what elite performance really means. And, and the first one is, uh, what, what is the best advice you've ever personally received? Best advice I ever received? Go to college. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that was my best. That was my best. The best advice I ever received was go to college. I mean, I. There, by the way, there's ten things on the list. I'll give you another one. Okay. Even though you didn't ask for it, um, I had a mob boss that helped me start my first business, and he said to me, uh, three things will change your whole life. You got to follow. One is uh, go above and beyond. So when I say clean the swimming pool, make sure you clean the lawn, furniture, the windows, everything else. Even though I'm not paying you for it. Number two, on time is late. If you're going to show up at 8 a.m., make sure you show up 7.45. And number three, never ask for money. You provide value, you get value back. Hmm, that's good. And, and those have stuck with me my whole life. Go to college was a big one. Do yoga from my mom. Huge bit of advice. Um, those, those were big ones. My dad, my dad, <laughs> my dad gave me hundreds, hundreds of pieces. I, I could go on forever. Yeah. If you could go back 20 years and tell yourself something, what would it be? I mean, obviously, other than like kind of the obvious, you know, invest in Tesla or whatever, you know, like practical kind of advice for to develop as a human. I would say be patient. Hmm. I'd say life, even though life is short, it's a lot longer than you think. Yeah. So, so I think in America, we tend to be very short term focused. Yeah. Um, I think we could take a much longer view. Be patient. Do you do you do any, do you do like meditation or things like that? To, meditate. Kind of I meditate before I go to bed. Hmm. Right before I go to bed, and I pass out, and I wake up in the morning. Yeah, that, that that's the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, what is what is one thing that you think uh, a person should do every single day? I think everybody should sweat before breakfast. I think everybody should take an ice cold shower. I think everybody should do thirty burpees minimum every single day no matter where they are you could do them in a closet on an airplane airport anywhere um everybody should eat one giant salad every single day Hmm. 
And, and I, I see the sign behind you. Are you are you like a farm to table uh, believer in, in, in kind of, you know? Oh, I, I believe in that, but it's been very, very hard to get an operational farm going. Um, there's lots of youngsters that talk about, you know, rotational farming and getting to the farm, but they don't really want to do the work. Yeah. I, I've had lots of people come through that we're going to run the farm and manage the animals and plant, but it's hard work. Yeah. Not everybody's yeah. ready for hard work, especially this new generation. So yeah. I had the only cows that ate brunch instead of breakfast because they couldn't wake up on time. My <laughs> <laughs> that's, a very, that's a very contemporary problem. Your cows are brunching. But it also, you know, I mean, I feel like there's a big movement now to get people at least some experience in that or hunting or fishing and understand the, you know, I think people understand the price of food because we pay for it, but they don't really understand the cost of it, you yeah. know, and it, and it really develops a new appreciation once you put time in a farm or you've killed something and you've had to dress it, you know? Yep. So what, I, I know you mentioned patience, but what is one other attribute that you think every leader should seek to foster in themselves? Resilience. Hmm. Resilience. And I think, and I think they need to understand that they eat last. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's sort of the, what the, the, I mean, that's probably one of the cornerstones of the Spartan lifestyle is, is yeah. developing resilience. That's it. Yeah. What is, what is the best way to stay disciplined in the pursuit of your passions? Go public with it. Lay out your goal. Go public with it. Talk to everybody every chance you get. Make it part of your story. And uh, you're not going to want to be a fraud. You're going to want to deliver on the thing you're telling everybody. Like, I do 30 burpees every day. Tell everybody. Yeah. Tell people to the point where they're annoyed. And yeah. now you have to do it. Yeah. It, it's, it's like the accountability better. thing. You yeah. know, yeah. It, I, I remember when I did a, a Tough Butter years ago, you know, we had a guy who was a retired PJ in the, in the Air Force, you know, yeah. and, you know, a lot of us who didn't come from a military backgrounds, just having someone like that on the team, you feel like, well, I got to keep up. Like, I'm not going to be the guy who's yeah. not going over the wall. You know, it really does uh, because, it, but it's that same idea. I'm going public with this. My whole team knows I'm in this. We drove all the way up here. We trained. Now I can't be the guy. That, I, think, I think accountability is, is so underrated. Like some people run away from accountability, but like you said, if you put it out there, you got to do it. Get a date on the calendar. Yeah. It, what would you tell if we, if there was a young listener listening who, who, you know, wants to embrace kind of the, the things you're talking about, like challenging themselves, pushing themselves and isn't running towards comfort. Um, but they want to make an impact on the world, but they just don't know where to get started. What, what would you tell them? Do something. Uh, too many people sit on a couch waiting for that perfect opportunity and they do nothing. Mm. Do something. I didn't want to clean swimming pools, but I clean swimming pools. Right? I didn't really want to sit on a trading desk on Wall Street, but I did that. And you just yeah. keep doing, and then before you know it, you stumble upon that thing. Yeah. Or you do a side hustle with that thing. But you gotta be you gotta be moving, you gotta be meeting people, you gotta be getting stuff done. Just just be doing. Yeah. And I, I saw a, a really great Instagram video you posted recently, but tell me your 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 perspective on failure because inevitably inevitably even the most successful people fail at some stuff or, or have an idea i love i love thomas edison's quote right like i didn't learn how to make a light bulb i learned how to not make a light bulb 999 times mm. right like so so um failure is great because yeah. you you get if, if if you study the failure 
and you reflect on it, right? And you create a feedback loop and you talk to people about it, you journal about it. Like you learned how not to make that mistake again. Yeah. Right? Now you get yeah. closer to your goal. Oh, imagine if there were five, 10, 15 routes on this mountain I'm looking at on the farm here. And 14 of them were dead ends. And one of them was the way to go. Yeah. And you went down one, it was a dead end. All right. Well, now I know I only got 13 left to go down. Yeah. <laughs> until, yeah. until I get to the one that works. So failure's fine. Yeah. If you could recommend people read three books, what would they be? Um, three books. I would say uh, A Message to Garcia. I would say The Endurance, the Shackleton story. And uh, Adrift. I'll add a few more. Atlas Shrugged. And uh, Shogun. A good that's a good uh the list and, and i i love it because it's a it's a list it, there's a lot of books in there that underscore the need for like self-reliance which yeah. again i feel like is an attribute that's constantly under threat yep so if uh in your mind what do you feel like is more important being a mentor or having a mentor i think being i i like to learn um by teaching yeah so um, being a mentor. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But, but, but don't be afraid to ask people to be your mentor because everybody's willing to help. If you ask and you actually lean in and do the work, everybody's willing to help. Yeah. Now, I, I know one thing that, if anybody knows anything about you, is that you are an optimist. You know, I feel like people leave conversations with you encouraged, you know, like they might be challenged, you know, maybe pushed a little, but, but I... I it's probably rare people leave a conversation with you that they don't feel like they can go get done what they need to get done. You know, what is the key to fostering enthusiasm in, in other people in your life? Key to fostering enthusiasm. I think you got to fake it. Yeah. It's hard to be enthusiastic all day, every day. Shit's happening. Um, I'm very fortunate. I, I, I literally forget what I was upset about five seconds later. So yeah. I'm just always happy. But, yeah. but um, I think you got to fake it sometimes. Uh, put a smile on even when you don't, you know, somehow find enjoyment in, in the suffer. Yeah. And, and you know, I love, I love this idea of like, people send me emails like, I hope you have a shitty day. And that's a, it's like a joke almost like, yeah. I mean, we've got a Spartan prayer, right? And that Spartan prayer says, God, um, I want you to give me the worst stuff you have because all the good stuff's probably gone. Everybody's asking for being back with their family, for a good meal, for this, for that. You probably don't have any of that left. So give me the worst stuff you got and just promise me you keep it coming. And yeah. so when you have that attitude, it's almost like a joke, right? Like you welcome the shit. Yeah. And, and you turn that into enjoyment. It's like the, like the Jocko thing. When something goes wrong, good. Like, good. good. Yeah. Now I get, get, get pushed, get, get a little sharper. Uh, Joe, what's your, because the, the, the other side of the coin, I feel like for a lot of people who are, are pretty hard chargers, very focused is, you know, we've had people, I had Gabby Reese on, on this podcast recently. And, you know, she, a lot of her, uh, you know, kind of philosophy, not just about high performance physically, but just in general is having a proper view of rest. And, uh, but that's one thing that a lot of people who are hard chargers, are elite performers, you know, they don't really factor in that, that uh, you know, time for rest and recovery. What's your philosophy when it comes to rest? 
So on the one hand, I say like, what are we recovering for? It's not like we're living in a cave and we're hunting all day, right? Yeah. We're recovering almost from recovery. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? We live in it. We got a roof over our head. It's not raining on me. I got a, a mattress to sleep on. There's only a tiny slice of our history here on the planet where we had mattresses, pillows. Like we do yeah. live pretty fucking cushy lives. So yeah. let's not overrate this, this relaxation, rest, recovery thing. Um, can you imagine two cavemen, you and I, years ago, like, you're like, oh, man, like, there's a deer just went by. Let's go get it. I'm like, we can't. We did legs yesterday. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't do that, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just did what we had to do to survive. Yeah. So, you know, um, on the other hand, um, go to sleep early. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Your yeah. phone off. Make yeah. sure it's cold in your room. Are, yeah. Are, are you someone who puts in, uh, you know, we, we say at, uh, at Ironclad, you know, right now the, the, the worst drug in the world is, is content. But if we're going to be in the drug business and we're going to make content, we want, it to, we want to be the multivitamin. We want to be, you know, because it is like you were saying with the Netflix things, it's really easy to get caught up. It gives you everything you want, you know, let you turn your mind off. Do you have hard, ba- like, do you have hard boundaries when it comes to when you shut down the phone, when you shut down Netflix and all that. Um, it's rare for me not to be in bed by nine. Okay. I'm, I'm in bed eight thirty yeah. nine. Yeah. Yeah. And so Joe, one, one thing we ask the, the question we ask every guest that, that comes on here is, is kind of a challenge, a bit, a takeaway for the listeners that if you could challenge them, if you could issue a one week challenge, basically, you know, do this for, for, for an entire, it could be a different thing every day of the week. It could be one thing that you're doing across one the week. Thing, one thing, but I'm going to make it 30 days instead of a week. Sorry. Okay. 30 days, 30 burpees a day. Change your life. Yeah. 30 burpees I, want them, I want them before breakfast, 30 burpees a day before breakfast for 30 days. My email is joe at spartan.com. You send me an email. You tell me if it didn't change your life. That's awesome. Joe, man, it is super inspiring to talk to you. And I can't wait for the races to be back because I'm telling you, it was a transformative thing doing, you know, doing it. You know what? We're going to have, we're going to have a bunch of elites here in October on the farm. We're going to create a bubble and we're going to film the whole thing. Maybe uh, if you, if you can come to Vermont, maybe we bring a bunch of podcasters and media people to come down. You just gave me the idea. And um, we just turn the lights back on for, for a moment in time. Well, welcome everybody. And this is a new segment. This is called Hot Wash. So basically, we're going to go over some of our favorite talking points from these uh, podcasts and essentially give you some some of our thoughts, uh, our biggest takeaways, and and what we really value about these leaders. So uh, let's talk about Joe, man. He what a, what a guy, dude. He's awesome, and their business has been impacted in such an unbelievable way because of COVID that they've had uh, no choice but to, to do some major pivots through this whole thing. He actually launched an online series. Yeah. Doing, you know, just, just dedicated to that. I've, I've, yeah. I've caught a few episodes of it too, which is, it's motivating. They're doing what it takes. I thought what was really cool is that Joe is so apparently resilient through this whole thing. One of the notes I took is that he is preaching, and I, and I love the way he put it, but just focusing on, the positives that can come out of this kind of situation. His team, by his own admission, pivoted, especially on the marketing side where they had to, to turn this into a positive, as much of a positive situation as it could, uh, as they could. And as a result, their team is starting to come out of this in a, in a more positive way. And they've, they've done what, it, what they had to do to turn their farm in Vermont into a place where 
until we can get on the other side of this thing, they're still being productive. I love that he works with the assets that he has in yeah. line too. And then uh, he's not afraid to get out there and lead by example. No, he not, holds himself to a different standard. Yeah. And one of the things we talked about is the idea of in, when facing adversity, how did Joe kind of come out of that on the other side? One of the notes I took on here was that sometimes the shock of a seemingly impossible task, be it what, you know, one of the Spartan races or one of the, the older Tough Mudders, he talks about how when people would go through that, it would create that shock factor that almost created something transformational in them, that something that they thought they could never do, they did it, and then it built that immediate confidence factor that uh, went with them for the rest of their life, which is really kind of cool. Yeah. Um, how something small like a race can inspire confidence in so many other areas of your life. And I know people personally that have done that experience through one of his, and yeah. especially since he acquired Tough Mudder too, so he's the only player in the game, and what a time to acquire it. Right, yeah. It was a good spin. I mean, it was a good play for him for sure, um, but uh, just unfortunate timing. Yeah. But they've made it work, I mean, I admire that a lot. Yeah. Uh, one of the things we talked about, too, is the idea of, of just living a life of personal discipline and how these races that they've cultivated over the years uh, work to further that life of, of discipline. And one of the things I that I thought was really cool that he, he talked a lot about was um, taking a longer-term view of life, right, as a leader, looking more towards the long game, especially since discipline is more of a long game that's measured in years rather than just minutes or days because most people can fake something over a short period of time but the uh, idea of discipline being a long game especially when we're dealing with as leaders when we're dealing with people who aren't machines yeah discipline's cultivated over a long period of time speaking of discipline i was just reading this quote and and i don't know who did who wrote this quote i just have this section on my phone called quotes I like and whenever I hear one yeah and I should maybe in the notes we can put who who said this but um this is the quote we must all suffer from one of two pains the pain of discipline or the pain of regret the difference is discipline weighs ounces while regret weighs tons I like that quote yeah that's good I don't know who said it hmm. we anyway. need to share the board I got a bunch more on this here too. I'll, I'll I'll bring them up on the next one. <laughs> so what was what was another takeaway that you got there? Um, one of the most challenging things he said, I thought, throughout the whole um, throughout our, our our talk with him, was the idea of um, his apparent enthusiasm. Um, and by his own admission, one way to get there is to fake it until it becomes real. And I think initially, when you hear that somebody is saying, "Oh, you fake fake it until you make it." That's a little bit, on the surface, it can be a little off-putting, but when you dig deeper, you know it works. I mean, if you wake up every day with a negative attitude on, on life, um, a naysaying attitude, it, it, you know, it's going, to, um, it's going to permeate everything you do throughout the day. But approaching it with that positive attitude is exactly what he's talking about here, and, and, and faking that enthusiasm until it becomes just part of who you are all the time um, you can turn yourself from a pessimist into an optimist, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, one other thing he said I thought was really cool is the idea that when 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 they do the, uh, I think he called it the Spartan prayer, it's like, look, 
all these people out here are praying to God to give me a better experience here. Oh, God, give me the worst of it because I'm ready and I want to tack, tackle it head yeah. on. Um, the psychological effect of doing that is that, hey, I'm going to set my expectations low and be pleasantly surprised when it gets better for me. So I think that goes into every day expecting that life is going to attack and having a positive attitude about it is critical. But then when it gets better, um, it's just more, even all that more pleasantly surprising. Yeah, and what I like about his events and, and the things that he does is, is, once again, and we talked about this before, but um, manufacturing painful situations. If you can create those types of adverse situations in a controlled environment, you're that much more apt for mm-hmm. the real world and, and that much more able to, to take on real challenges in life. Yeah. And that's what I love about discipline. I love about the events that Joe does. I love what he stands for because what it gives you in life skill and the takeaway that you have, if you can handle those, you can handle a lot more than you think you can. Yeah, I agree with you. All right. Well, that completes today's episode. Thanks so much to our guest, Joe DeSina. Uh, Make sure you check us out on Instagram and YouTube at This Is Ironclad. Until next time, see you later. (laughs) 